Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. This episode is Sigils and Kitchen Magic. How is your week going? My week? Well, I didn't think about this before we started. <laughs> uh, it's been house sitting, you know, the okay. usual. And yeah, house sitting. <laughs> Hitting Costco today with you. That yeah. was uh, intense. Right. Very intense right before the, the holidays. holidays and such. Because we do pre-record these, so mm-hmm. we're, we're near the holidays. And I got my hair colored blue since the last time we spoke. Yep. Blue, purple, and a dark black violet. Oof. It is pretty. Thanks. I like it. It's fun. And I don't think there's anything else. So what about you? Well, uh, not much going on. I've decided to take up uh, knitting again. Oh, yes. I saw you working on that. Yep. It's exciting. I'm jealous. I wish I were working on my knitting. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've knit. So I'm getting a little bored with what I'm doing because it's just a simple knit and purl right now. Right. Once I get what I'm working on to six inches, then I can work on decreasing it and turning it into a hat. Oh, yeah. Nice. Fun. I remember doing that. I want to make another one. Yeah. I was really proficient and then I got a cat <laughs> to be more precise I got a kitten and that pretty much stopped a lot of stuff oh and that reminds me well I'm very excited is that my kitty cat who's 19 and a half years old I don't talk too much about him but Loki is coming home this week on Thursday which is Thanksgiving Yay! I am so excited I'm a bit nervous because of the tensions it brings into the home with the two cats but I am excited yeah I'm glad he gets to come back home. Yeah, he's been gone too long. All right. Shall we get started and dig in with the god or goddess that you've chosen? Yeah. Today is a god. Is Daikokuten. He is the Japanese god of the hearth, agriculture, fertility, sexuality, and wealth. His description, an older man carrying a sack over one shoulder and a mallet in the other hand sitting on top of two bales of rice. His duties are watching over several temples as well as overseeing kitchens in general, plus being the patron of cooks, farmers, merchants, and bankers. His lineage, while I don't actually have a mother or father for him, is he is related to Ebisu, one of the other seven lucky gods of, in Japan. He is sometimes considered Abisu's father, sometimes his brother. Just depends on who you talk to, where you talk to him, and so on and so forth. Okay. The story I have today is kind of short, but it's a good one. I like it. Many years ago, when Buddhism moved to Japan, the gods of Buddhism became cross because people still liked the god Daikoku. The gods got together and summoned Yema, the judge of the lower regions, and gave him the power to destroy Daikoku. Yema had an army of oni, but he summoned a very special old oni, Shino, to either get rid of or kill Daikoku. 
Shino searched far and wide, asking many questions, getting lost, and was finally pointed in the right direction by a bird. When Shino got there, Daikoku's castle was full of all sorts of wealth, including rice bales, which he prized most of all. After searching throughout the castle, Shino came to a storehouse standing alone. Seeing Daikoku, Shino thought to himself, this will be easy. But just then, Daikoku talked to his chief rat, who was right next to him, and said, I feel there is someone here. Please chase them out, if you would. Quickly, the rat ran off and found a holly branch, all stickers and pokies. The rat used it to slap the oni, and Shino, the oni, cried in pain all the way home to Yema. Shino told Yema of his adventures and begged to never be sent after Daikoku again. Wow. Yeah. Who who knew? <laughs> but Holly, that's definitely painful. Yeah, and actually, I believe it's on the New Year that Japanese will hang up Holly on their front door, if I remember right, to ward off bad spirits and stuff. Oh. And that story is part of the reason why they do that. Neat. Yeah. Interesting fact, one of the seven lucky gods of Japan. Each of the lucky gods has a different space that they take care of. And Abisu, if I remember right, is the lucky god of fishermen and is also a god of wealth. Daikoku actually started out as a warrior goddess named Mahakala and then changed when she came to Japan into the form we now know. The symbols for Daikoku are rats, mallets, bags, rice, rice bales, and because he is a god of wealth, I also put in their money, because that just made sense. For today, we have Tatiana's superstition, which is penny luck. I thought it would be fun to look at the lucky penny story. Find a penny, pick it up, and all the day you'll have good luck. How many of us remember hearing this as a kid? Do you remember how exciting it was to find a petty head heads up? Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't remember the little saying to it, but I always knew the heads up pennies were luckier than the others. Yeah, I still do it to this day. I'll catch one and, and I think about it. But of course, now with COVID, I don't. But <laughs> I was doing it, even though you want to wash your hands and all that. Mm -hmm. But why was it exciting? For one thing, it obviously meant something monetarily. Unlike today, it meant that you were that much richer. I think the equivalent today would be like a quarter at best. Yeah. Where does the notion originally come from? One idea is in folklore. In ancient times, metals were considered gifts from the gods with the intention of protecting them. The Copper Age was a part of this time period. The Chalcolithic or Copper Age, is the transitional period between the Neolithic and the Bronze Age. It is thought to have begun around the mid-5th millennium BC and end with the beginning of the Bronze Age. The idea of metals being protective also spurred on other like-minded superstitions, such as the horseshoe being lucky. A different folklore was that each side of a coin represented good and evil. Heads up meant good luck and tails meant bad luck. That gives a whole new twist on flipping a coin. Right? I don't think I'd want to pick tails then. I think I'd always pick 
heads up. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Perhaps I was thinking about this too, is like maybe that's kind of if you go back and you translate it, it could be considered the other world, which is the upper world or the underworld, you know, heads and tails. Mm -hmm. Just something I pondered. It is said that if you find one tail side up, you should flip it over in order for the next person who finds it to have good luck. Kind of cool. What about the saying, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a penny in the shoe? I actually forgot about the last part of that with the penny. I don't think I hear that very often. No, you don't. That is the whole saying. Hmm. In this case, it meant good luck on the bride's wedding day, to offer luck in the marriage as well as prosperity. Interesting. An unusual superstition has to do with finding a penny, meaning that a loved one who has passed away is trying to brighten your day and that they are okay. I found the following from one website who posted this anonymous quote. When an angel misses you, they toss a penny down, sometimes to cheer you up, to make a smile out of your frown. So don't pass by that penny when you're feeling blue. It may be a penny from heaven that an angel tossed to you. Here in some small way the belief traces back and could be translated to the gods protecting you and offering you good luck. How sweet. Yeah, I had never heard of that one at all. I thought it would be interesting and intriguing to add here. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right, let's move on to your next piece. Okay. And it's it's a surprise. (laughs) It's sigils. Now, we did sigils in... uh, previous activity in one of our podcasts. Here I'm going to go with a small bit of history and a few methods to go and make sigils with. Sigil magic is considered air or east. A sigil is a symbol created to produce a particular result in accordance with the creator's will magically. Sigils have been in use for many, many years. It may be argued that some cave paintings from the Stone Age involved sigils. Sigils were in use in the 1600s as necklaces inscribed with a specific purpose, often for health, and done with the influences of planets in mind. There are many ways to make sigils, and I'll be covering a few here. The easiest, in my opinion, is the method I explained in the Samhain Special Episode 9. I will actually explain it here and start with thinking of your intention. Make sure you get specific, but try to keep it to a phrase or one word if you can. Then you write down your phrase and begin by crossing out any repeat letters. If you still have a lot of letters left, you may also cross out the vowels. After that, you use the leftover letters for the basis of the sigil. You may mirror, rotate, and overlap them. Play with the shapes until you have a sigil that you feel good about and that you feel conveys the intention. Another way is to use symbols that convey your intentions. For example, a heart for love, someone's sun sign symbol to represent them or the first letter of their name, an eye for vigilance, arrows for speed, etc. You can also add dots and other things to make the sigil prettier or more artistic. This is more of a freeform way of doing it and maybe a little harder than the last method. It definitely uses more creativity. A third way is to use a magic square or magic circle. 
As with the first method, you write out your intention and cross out letters until you have something that still mirrors your intention but doesn't have so much to it. In the magic square method, each letter is assigned a number as seen in numerology. A is 1, B is 2, and so on until 9, and then the letters begin again at 1. Then, when you have the corresponding numbers to the letters that you've used, use the low shoe grid and start at the first number you have, creating a circle, and that's a small circle, in the square of the number and then drawing a line from there to the next number until you've actually gone through all the numbers. And then you write a small line that's perpendicular to the line you just created, and that's the end. If you have a repeating number, like one number right after the other, so like if you have a five and a five, then you just draw a little half circle in the square. After you've finished, now you have your sigil. Now the magic circle is a circle with all of the letters of the alphabet and you use much the same idea as the magic square in that you start with a circle and then go to each letter with a line but you end with a circle as well instead of line and then you have your sigil. Now we actually have the low shoe grid in our notes if you want to check that out. I went ahead and found it. There are many ways in which to use your sigil. You can destroy it as in burning if you want to do some banishing magic of some sort. You can write it on a piece of paper and post it on your bathroom mirror to remember. Or if you want something really permanent, people have even tattooed sigils on their bodies. Now it's kitchen magic. Tatiana's got this section. Okay. I thought I would cover kitchen magic as one of our spellcrafting pieces. Kitchen witchery has become more well-known amongst modern-day pagans since the return of magic to our culture. It refers to a person who combines the use of ingredients along with other spellcraft knowledge to enact a spell. These spells are like any other in that they can be broad strokes, such as wanting there to be harmony amongst various people, or more precise, like doing a love spell for yourself, similar to making potions. You can use any type of edible ingredient to make the spell. The focus is frequently placed on the herbs one uses. When doing kitchen witchery, things like the direction you stir in or the shape you make the spell in will define your intention. Types of focus to be used can be the ingredients you use, the decorations you might make to garnish your food, or even the colors of the items you incorporate into your recipe. Sigil magic is an excellent spellcrafting tool that works well with food. Carving or decorating a sigil into your magic is very powerful. You can also use other symbols to do the same thing, but a sigil is more personal since you create it for your own specific intention. There have been instances in several cultures where items would be taken and baked into a cake. As the pieces were handed out, you might find one of the items and that would be the foretelling of your future. Still another way to use kitchen witchery is as a divination tool. The one that comes to mind would be doing tea leaf readings. Tea leaf reading is an act of divination that involves using loose tea leaves, a cup, and some hot water. 
The reader looks for patterns in the leaves once the tea has been almost fully drunk and the cup turned over. This would then lead to the fortune telling. Side note, tea leaf reading is also known as tessography. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I hope I said that right. <laughs> it is unclear as to when and where tea leaf readings originated, but it's possibly from Asia and then it moved over to England in the 17th century. That seems to be what many people think. Oh, okay. Interesting. We thought we would do some activities for you, so we're going to move on to those. Mm -hmm. I will just pop in and say activity number one, which is to go back and refer to episode number five, where you will find what's called a full moon salad for inviting positivity into your life. That, again, is season one, episode five, if you want to check that out. Activity two is an intention jar spell. The theme is protection. You have thyme, sesame seeds, black tourmaline, and you use a sigil. Those are just an overview. And I've done this spell so that it has balance of all of the elements. You're going to need a small glass bottle, some thyme. That's the herb, T-H-Y-M-E. Uh, sesame seeds black tourmaline small enough to fit in the bottle opening a small piece of paper to write your sigil on a pen that is either black or brown and a black or brown candle to seal the jar with you may create the sigil beforehand and have it at the ready or cast circle and create it then according to whichever way you like best start by casting circle calling the directions and inviting the god and goddess you can do the sigil now after you've done that. Pick up the jar and start putting ingredients in. With each ingredient you put in, you will say, like a wall, these I call, protection for what may come in my door. First, you put in the black tourmaline for earth, sigil for air, sesame seeds for fire, and thyme for water. Seal the bottle and then light your candle. Use the dripping wax to seal your bottle and be careful not to burn yourself. Release the god and goddess, then each of the directions. Now you have a couple of options as to how you deal with the bottle. You can bury it next to your front door or put it in an inconspicuous place in your home. Very cool. And I just want to say to everyone, Sylvia comes up with these chants. I think she's really good at them. I just, I had to say that. I just think oh. that they come out really well. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go on to activity number three. A spell for mending a disagreement between friends. I recently had a disagreement with a friend, and that's what inspired me for this. It is a two-layer cake. What you will need ingredients-wise is one box of cake mix, unless you want to do it from scratch. It can be vanilla or chocolate but you do need to get a mix that requires the use of eggs. The cake will represent yourself. Strawberry filling, which I looked up and you can get that through Duncan Hines if you don't make your own. It represents unconditional friendship. The eggs represent the bonds that hold your friendship together and icing of choice to smooth things over in a peaceful manner. Consider yourself and your portion of the disagreement and what you're responsible for. 
Follow the instructions on the cake mix box thinking of the body of the cake to represent yourself. As you pour the dried mix into the bowl, chant your name silently or aloud. This is for you to focus on yourself and your portion of the disagreement, not the other person. When the eggs are to be added, think of what it is that bonds you with this other person. What brought the two of you into being friends? What traits do you feel drew you to them? Let that bake. Basically, when it's baking, you have a chance to reflect. Once that's done, following the cake instructions, prepare to do the filling. When spreading the filling between the two layers, consider what you would say to make amends with your friend and continue to focus on that until the filling is done. Then spread the icing over the cake, wishing for peace and harmony. Finally, form an intention that addresses how you will move forward with your actions. For example, I will listen to what my friend has to say with an open heart. Whatever that is for you, write it out on a piece of paper and make a sigil out of it. Then draw that sigil into the icing. Or you can also add piped icing, I would recommend yellow for happiness, and draw it into the top of the other icing. Once you're done, slice a piece of the cake and eat it. With each piece you eat, every time you have a piece, say, I take responsibility for my actions. If the opportunity presents to share a piece of the cake with your friend, state that this cake was made with the intention of clearing the air between the two of you. Let them know that you take responsibility in whatever words best suit you for your contributions to the disagreement. That wraps that up. I hope that's helpful. I think it's lovely. Thanks. Now is time for an oracle. Yeah, I thought I'd switch it up a little bit and chose to do an oracle as opposed to tarot, but it's done in the same basic way. I chose the Earth Magic Oracle by Stephen D. Farmer. The card that I got was Cave. In this card, there is a person squatting down, lightly clad, drawing on the side of a cave wall in which he is in. A beautiful fire lights the cave. Outside, the sun is setting behind some mountains. There is a hand painted on the wall as if to reach out to the man. The artist is actively painting with paint pots sitting nearby. It speaks of vulnerability, taking cover and finding respite in one's home. My translation of this is consider what has been going on in your life. You may be feeling exposed to perceived attacks from others. Taking cover isn't a bad idea, but adding a little extra protection magic would be helpful if for no other reason than self-comfort. This is a good time to confront our own flaws and own up to them by doing shadow work. Take this time to find out more about who you are. Get back to basics and rebirth what makes you happy. Without that, nothing else is going to feel right. Removing yourself from the mundane through creativity will bring you peace. As today ends, we find ourselves making way for the new one to begin. Sylvia, before we wrap this up, I thought I would like to acknowledge that we have a beautiful fall this year wonderful colors have been occurring and mm. now we're in November and all of the leaves are turning brown and kind of crunchy 
it's fun to crunch through them yeah. as they're on the sidewalks. Now. I love to kick that. I just yeah. love to kick the leaves and you know be like a little kid. You know? mm-hmm. And the trees are bare at this point. And yeah. right now we are looking at a very foggy day here in Eugene. It's almost what four o'clock, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which means it's going to get dark sooner. The fog is just really setting in, and it's chilly out there. Yes, it is. The fog is just beautiful. Um, Across the way, we can see through the window a hill that's just slightly obscured by the fog. It's just so pretty. Yeah, it makes you really want to hunker down. And I don't know. I was thinking of I want to color. I really having that urge to do some coloring. Yeah. For me, it's, it's knitting and wanting to just crawl into really nice, comfy PJs and vegetate for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to do the knitting, as I mentioned before. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm so bummed. I managed to do a pumpkin this year, which was great. But when I have both of the cats, as Sylvia well knows, I have to deal with being the referee between the two of them. And it's not because they don't like each other. It's just that one is a year and a half year old and the other one's 19 and a half. The 19 and a half year old is too fragile to be bothered by a young kitten who wants to play. Mm -hmm. That said, the young kitten is of course interested in the movement of my needles, the yarn, and that's the obvious stuff. But the other part of it is, is if they were to start fighting, I have to stop my count. And as you know, in knitting, you can't lose count. No, you, you lose count, you lose your spot, and then it's just... That's it. That's it. That's gone. Yep. Anyway, so knitting would be lovely, but I, I, I can't. <laughs> well, at least you can still enjoy hot chocolate and... Chai. 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 Yep. <laughs> I do my chai, although yeah. hot chocolate's lovely. You can always tell that she's drinking her chai. I talk to her on the phone all the time. You can always tell she's drunk her chai because she goes, mm. <laughs> I just can't believe I do that. But then I have gotten self-conscious about it since Sylvia (laughs) said something. And it's totally true. I'm like in ecstasy when I have my chai. And if I don't have a chai, you know I'm not feeling well. Yeah. That's like quite literally. But also let's talk a little bit about the fact that as we've entered into fall, we've already alluded to wanting to be kind of more withdrawn a little more reserved Mm -hmm. it's it's something i always do in the winter time is i pull in and i want to spend more time with myself and my cats and just read books spend more time with myself be more introverted yeah it's nice to draw back bring back your energy into yourself take this time of year where we've already gone through Samhain you know, acknowledge everything that has passed. As we sit, we get to consider where we want to go from here, be okay with what we've let go of because we have let go of things as of Samhain. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to sit and kind of go, oh, okay, this is this is a good pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to call my, my introvertedness hermiting. <laughs> yes, hermiting. That's a good one. I like it. It's like adulting. Hermiting. Yes, hermiting. <laughs> I I would go with that. I like that. (laughs) We just wanted to touch base with everybody about this. And we would really love to hear from people about your thoughts on this and what you do during this time period. Any input you're willing to give. Yeah. And you can rate us. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter. 
we would love to hear from you. On Facebook, it's Powered by Magic. On Twitter, you have to find us through Powered Magic. We also are on WordPress. Yes. And as we usually state, if you would please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, whatever other podcasting site you've found us on, we would absolutely be so appreciative. This is hard to get a podcast started. A lot harder than I think I imagined. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, but it's really hard to do this without any input from yeah. those that listen. We would really, really love to hear from you. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've just started listening to one from the very beginning and these people have been going on for years. It's oh. a huge difference. They've probably had input and insights from people and ratings from people. I can only hope that we get that far. <laughs> right? I'm really hoping so because guys, we really love doing this. We are very passionate about what we're putting out there and we hope that we can get you to be passionate as well. Yeah, we want to share our enjoyment and our love for the magic in the world. I want to be very clear, we're not trying to focus to one group of people. We're not saying, no. you know, young people who are new or old people who are new, whatever or people who are really experienced. We are trying to cater to everybody. That feels like there would be a lot of room for input and excitement. Well, one can only hope. Yes, one can only <laughs> hope. Thank you so much. And I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long. And thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic.